The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Mark. Jesus and his disciples left from there and began a journey through Galilee. But he did not wish anyone to know about it. He was teaching his disciples and telling them, The Son of Man is to be handed over to men, and they will kill him. And three days after his death, the Son of Man will rise. But they did not understand the saying, and they were afraid to question him. They came to Capernaum, and once inside the house, he began to ask them, What were you arguing about on the way? They remained silent. They had been discussing among themselves on the way who was the greatest. Then he sat down, called the twelve, and said to them, If anyone wishes to be first, he shall be the last of all, and the servant of all. Taking a child, he placed it in their midst, and putting his arms around it, he said to them, Whoever receives one child such as this in my name receives me, and whoever receives me receives not me, the one who sent me. The Gospel of the Lord. After the book of the Psalms, which essentially is all of human nature organized into some ways of thanksgiving and anger and fear and love and all the rest, into prayers, I think my favorite book of the, of the Bible is the letter of St. James, the Catholic epistle of St. James as it's usually called. I mean, he pulls no punches. In five short chapters, he pretty much addresses just about every sin. He comforts the downtrodden. He reminds us of just about every gospel precept. And at the end of those five short chapters, he gives us a good reason for why we do it all. For the salvation of our brothers and sisters, and salvation of our own souls. Now we're hearing from the letter of St. James last week, this week, and the next. We just get these little snippets of this beautiful letter. So today I want to dive a little deeper, a little bit deeper than we're able to do through just the liturgy. Because the reality is, if over this next week you have a little bit of free time, I encourage you to read the letter of St. James. It literally would take you just about 15 minutes to read it if you just blew through it. But every time that I read it, every single time, I find that there's another way that I can ask God to root sin out of my life. There's another way I can understand God's mercy. It is a very beautiful letter. He begins it with this basic understanding. Blessed is the man who endures trial. For when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life, which God has promised to those who love him. St. James understands the reality of what the Catholic faith is about. We do not preach a prosperity gospel. At no place did Jesus Christ say that if you have enough faith, all suffering will end and you'll never have to struggle again. Yes, indeed, we believe in miracles, we believe in healings and all the rest, no doubt about it. But even those who were healed in the gospel, they still lived in a world filled with sin and suffering. So we know what the name is of those people who reject the cross, who say that our life can be free of the cross. We heard about it last week. St. Peter said to, to Jesus, after Jesus said he had to die, Peter said, no, 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 Lord, let's not do that. And Jesus called him Satan. You see, God allows trials and sufferings in our lives because he knows that that'll be the crucible in which our selfishness and our self-love can be rooted out so that we can find the freedom we long for, so that we can finally be open to the love of God and neighbor that he's called us and created us for. 
But St. James goes on to tell us how do we endure the trials of this life. He says, Let every man be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. Put away all filthiness and rank growth of wickedness, and receive with meekness the implanted word, which is able to save your souls. Receive with meekness the implanted word. How often when we receive the implanted word, the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, the teachings of the Catholic faith, do we receive the ones we like, but reject the ones we don't? We'll take the comfortable ones, but the difficult ones that call us out, we're going to reject those. That's not meekly receiving the implanted word. And further, what often causes some of those divisions and some of those discrepancies in our practice of the faith is how often are we quick to hear and slow to speak? I know that for myself, sometimes I'm a bad listener. I mean, after you talk to someone, have a conversation with them, how often can you repeat back what they told you? How often do we actually allow ourselves to listen to the people who are speaking to us? I know that sometimes if I'm in a discussion especially, while someone else is talking, I'm reloading, so the moment they're done, I can unleash my salvo of why I'm right and they're wrong newly upon them. That's not be quick to hear and slow to speak. So when we fail in those first two, when we fail to listen, then we find ourselves also failing in the third idea that St. James gives us, slow to anger. Anger divides, anger causes division within the human community, within the church community and all the rest. And so often, my brothers and sisters, we were taught in the seminary when we were going through our counseling classes, They said very often people don't need answers, they don't need fixes, they need someone who loves them enough to hear them, to listen to them, to at least say, hey, I hear what you're saying. I might not agree or disagree, whatever, but I at least hear you. How often do we do that in our own lives? But what is the reason for some of that anger? Why is that there? Well, St. James goes on to say, as we heard today, For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there will be disorder in every vile practice. What causes wars and what causes fightings among you? Is it not your passions that are at war in your members? You see, my brothers and sisters, when we ask that question, why is there suffering? Why do things go wrong in the world? Often what we do, especially in our modern media, is we point our fingers at someone else. It's the president, it's some group, it's Republicans, it's Democrats, it's Russia, it's China, someone else is causing all the problems in the world. But St. James makes it extremely clear is we must first look here instead of out there. What causes wars and fighting? Is it not your passions that are at war in your members? You desire and do not have, so you kill. And you covet and cannot obtain, so you fight and wage war. See, my brothers and sisters, often it's easy to point the fingers at others. When it comes to asking ourselves, why do I point and kill? But then people usually respond back to me and say, Father, but I, I don't kill anybody, and I don't start fights, and I don't wage wars. I've never done that. But then I think St. James is a very clear answer of how indeed every single one of us falls into those problems, those sins. He goes on to say, and the tongue is fire. With the same tongue we bless the Lord and Father, and with it we curse men who are made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth come blessing and cursing. My brethren, this ought not to be so. 
Does a spring pour forth from the same opening fresh water and brackish? Can a fig tree, my brethren, yield olives or grapevine figs? No more can salt water yield fresh. So maybe we don't kill with our hands. Maybe we don't do those things. But the reality is that sometimes we kill even worse with our tongue. We do even more damage to people and their dignity with the way that we wag our tongue about their faults and failures, whether known or unknown. And to give us an understanding of this, I give you paragraph 2477 of the Catechism to help us understand how our tongues can be used to kill and to slash and to destroy. Those are guilty of rash judgment, who even tacitly assumes as true without sufficient foundation the moral fault of a neighbor. This is recognizing that someone might do something wrong. We don't have real knowledge of it, but we just assume the worst of them in the first place. Rash judgment. Those are guilty of detraction, who without objectively valid reason discloses another's faults and failings to persons who did not know them, often known as gossip. So maybe you know that someone has done something wrong. Why are you telling those faults to others? What purpose does that serve? Is it selfish ambition or bitter jealousy? Those are guilty of calumny, who by remarks contrary to the truth harms the reputation of others and gives occasion for false judgments concerning them. That when we take our rash judgments and spread those around so as to destroy the character of another person, do you not see how we kill? Do you not see how we wage war and fight with our tongues in worse ways than we can with our hands? But then St. James goes on to say why this happens. Why do we use our tongues for such a purpose? Why is this present? Says unfaithful creatures, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. We saw in our gospel, right? We saw the apostles were fighting amongst themselves. Who's the greatest? Ah, Bartholomew, he's got nothing, says St. James. I got it over him. I'm better than him. Selfish ambition, bitter jealousy, causes us to tear another down with our words so that we can be seen as better. And why do we want to be better? We seek prestige or money or a better reputation or whatever it is for worldly gain. But if we seek worldly gain, we're friends with the world. And so often, in order to do that, we have to lose our soul. We cannot serve two masters. Jesus Christ constantly told us that we have to die to this world in order to live for the one to come. We cannot be both. We cannot serve two masters. But the reason why St. James brings up all of this reality of sin is not to hold it over our heads as this judgment to keep us down, but because he wants to set us free. He, like our Lord Jesus Christ and like any good doctor, hates silent killers. We don't like when cancer sits inside of someone and silently kills them without ever knowing, so we do tests to make sure that we know what's going on. We should do the same thing with our souls. By examining our conscience, we find those silent killers, those sins that we just gloss over, that have us bound so that we can be set free. St. James goes on to say, God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. Then he goes on to give us how do we get out of these dark places says, Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. You have that power. Resist the devil. How often do we actually face up to our temptations and fight against them? He will flee from you. 
Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands and purify your hearts. Be wretched and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to dejection. Here he's talking about the laughter and joy of this world. If we find laughter and joy just for this world, then let it end so that we can know the true laughter and joy and freedom of the children of God. Humble yourselves before the Lord and he will exalt you. That's the beautiful gift of the confession. When we humble ourselves before our God in the confessional, when we kneel before the representative of the entire body of Christ whom we've offended by our sins and we say we're sorry, we long to be made whole again. We say, here's my sins, Lord, wipe them away. He says, okay, I absolve you. Are we willing to know that freedom? You see, it continues on with that understanding of freedom because a bishop, Bishop Morlino of the Madison Diocese in Wisconsin, in light of all of the sexual abuse that has been revealed in the church recently, he said this to his diocese. He wrote it in a letter. He said, there's a certain comfort level with sin that has come to pervade our teaching, our preaching, our decision-making, and our very way of living. If you'll permit me, what the church needs now is more hatred. As I've said previously, St. Thomas Aquinas said that hatred of wickedness actually belongs to the virtue of charity. As the, book of, of the, as the book of Proverbs says, My mouth shall meditate truth, and my lips shall hate wickedness. It is an act of love to hate sin, and to call others to turn away from sin. There must be no room left, no refuge for sin, either within our own lives or within the lives of our communities. To be a refuge for sinners, which we should be. The church must be a place where sinners can turn to be reconciled. In this I speak of all sin. We speak of sin in the Catholic Church because we want people to be set free. Think of that child in our gospel who is placed in our Lord's arms and he places his arms around him. That child knows freedom because he's bound by love. The laws and commandments that we have are like Christ's arms surrounding us. That child's not free to run around. But because he's bound by the love of God, he's free to truly be loved for who he is. Are we willing to be bound by Christ's arms, by his love, so that we can know the freedom we were created for? Are we willing to let go of our sins, to be unbound by those sins, so we can know the freedom we were created for? See, my brothers and sisters, St. James ends his letters with these two verses. He says, my, brethren, my brothers, if anyone among you ventures forth from the truth and someone brings him back, let him know that whoever brings back a sinner from the error of his way will save his soul from death and cover a multitude of sins. We talk about all of this so that we can bring our brothers and sisters back so we can bring them to the same freedom and joy that we experience and love here in the church. The Good Shepherd is calling you, my brothers and sisters. He's calling you by name. And he's calling all of us to repentance so that we can be the free children of God. Will you hear his call this day?